Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much. Well, I have uh, asked my wife, uh, Pastor Simone to come and join me today and we want to just uh, let everyone know that we love you we're praying and believing along with you and the staff for a breakthrough over the next uh, couple of weekends for us to gather together again and believe that uh, we'll be in our locations and in God's house particularly obviously here in Melbourne and uh, today's a really significant and important day on many levels because today we're actually celebrating as a church and as a movement, Australian Christian churches, we're celebrating Religious Freedom Sunday. Right across the Australian Christian churches, uh, over a thousand churches, uh, over half a million members of the Australian Christian churches, we are stopping and praying for the religious freedom of every Christian uh, and every believer in Christ across Australia. After the Holocaust, um, back in mid-20th century, where six million Jews were killed for practicing their faith, the United Nations created a charter to protect religious freedom. And one of the few countries to not sign up to that charter was in fact Australia. Fast forward to 2021, and we're currently living in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile to religious freedoms. And religious freedom is one of the oldest freedoms and most established freedoms in human history. It celebrates the right of individuals, nations and people groups to practice their faith free of persecution. And coming into uh, the federal election, the federal government made an election promise to put legislation forward that would actually secure the religious freedoms of all Australians, and yet this bill hasn't actually been put forward with only 12 months to go to our next federal election. And so today, Numa Church, we want to encourage you to not be silent at this time, but to lift your voice in prayer to help protect our religious freedom, not only for all of us presently, but also for generations to come. And there are two primary things that you can do. First thing you can do is write a letter to a local member of parliament in your district uh, expressing your desire and your view to protect religious freedoms for people in that local community. We're told that it only takes seven letters to one member of parliament to actually get their attention about issues in the community. The second thing that you can do is uh, over this coming 12 months, is pray daily until the bill passes in federal parliament that we would see the religious freedoms of every Australian protected, not just for now, but for generations to come. What religious freedoms we've enjoyed is now under threat. Various bills and proposals are being put forward even in our state government here in Victoria that are taking away our rights to be able to express our religious freedom. We can do something about this as we come together in unity and we pray 
and also we lift our voice and let our local members of parliament know how important it is that this freedom be established and be actually upheld in federal government. So I'm going to ask you to actually join with me today in prayer. I have the privilege to be a part of the National Executive of the Australian Christian Churches. And all across our movement today, churches are stopping, they're praying, and they're contending for the religious freedom of every Christian. Why don't you stand with me? My wife, Pastor Simone, is going to pray. And we're going to believe for God to move over the next 12 months. Let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you today that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. Yes, Lord. Lord, that you have called us to such a time as this. Lord, that you know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And God, we thank you for this opportunity today, this moment in history that you foreknew ahead of time, God, that we would be the church at this point in time, Lord, that could rise up that could stand in the gap for generations to come, that could pray and contend, Lord, for this religious freedom, Lord, in our city and in our nation. And so, Father, we come to you in this moment, this hour of need, and we ask that, Father, you would indeed lead us in these times. God, that you would help us to discern wisdom, Lord, to know what it is that you are calling us to in this moment. God, you would give us courage and boldness to speak when it is necessary, to pray, Lord, at all times. And Father God, to act, Lord, on what the Holy Spirit prompts us to do. And so, Father, we thank you for the religious freedom that we've had in this country, in this city, Lord, up until this point. But Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to know what to do, Father, in these times as it is coming under threat. And God, we do not shrink back in fear, but we press into your presence in this moment. And Father, I pray right now for the chief policymakers, for those ministers in parliament, Lord, those who are making decisions at this point in time, this moment in history. And God, we pray for them right now. We bring them before you, God. We ask that they would encounter you. We ask that the wisdom of heaven would come upon them. Lord, that there would be the presence of God in those meetings. And Lord, you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, that you would stir those who have a faith, that those who believe in you, God, would feel a compelling moment, Lord, to stand up and to fight for what uh, we are contending for. And so, God, we just trust you in this moment. We thank you, God, for this opportunity. And Lord, I pray that every single member of your church, every part of your body, Lord, would be stirred in this moment by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we wouldn't shrink back in fear, but we would, Lord, stand in faith together. You would unify us as the body. God, that we would lay aside our own agenda and we would contend, Lord, for what is on your heart. So God, have your way in this city. Have your way in this nation. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we thank you that you have, Lord, won the victory over all, once and for all. And Lord, we stand on that in faith faith today and we trust you in Jesus and we pray. Amen. And, amen. and Father, as we just come around your word right now, we ask God that you would speak to us a word in season. Let this word renew our minds and transform our hearts. 
Let the anointing and power of heaven invade every heart that's watching and listening to this message. Father, I pray sick bodies would be healed in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that hearts would be lifted and encouraged. And I pray, Jesus, that you would become clearer in our vision, O God, as we look at your word. And Father, we just pray for this restrictions to end, for this virus to go to the pit of hell and not return. And Father, for us to gather together again in worship. And we just believe, O God, for breakthrough for every household and home today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Fantastic. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel 11, verses 29 to 35. Uh, This week I was praying about God, what do you want me to bring to your people? And God spoke to me very clearly out of Daniel 11 and said, if ever there was a time to bring this word, now is the time. Some of you may not have heard much preaching from the book of Daniel or have read the book of Daniel much before. But it's a powerful book. And we're going to read Daniel 11, verse 29. I'm going to read through to verse 35. So lean in because this is an important message and you need to stay focused and concentrate to stick with uh, where I'm taking you today. Daniel 11, verse 29. The Bible says, At the time appointed, he shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be this time as it was before. For ships of Kittim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw, and shall turn back and be enraged, and take action against the Holy Covenant. Daniel is seeing a vision here of something historical that was about to take place just a few hundred years after this vision, but also he's speaking into something that is prophetic, for the end of the ages. And it says, after that word, he take action against the Holy Covenant, he shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. He, he shall seduce with flattery Those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Another translation of this uh, verse says, The people who know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder, And when they stumble, they shall receive a little help. And many shall join themselves to them with flattery. Some of the wise shall stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. I want to speak to you today on how to thrive in end times. You might not have heard much preaching or teaching about end times, but the Bible has a lot to say prophetically about the times that you and I are living in and about the times that are to come. The last few weeks of lockdown have reminded us of the uncertainty of the times that you and I live in. As you suicide rates skyrocket upwards of 180%. 
over recent weeks as the political silver bullet strategy to a few COVID cases is to lock down six and a half million people as business after business declares bankruptcy and entire families are now without income. As a fierce storm shuts electricity off from 200,000 residents for multiple days in a row and uh, our household along with several other staff members and people in the life of the church have been without electricity and we know that we'd really reached the bottom when my wife and I were fighting in the middle of the dark over two tacos from Guzman and Gomez that we just ordered for our family. We knew things are at an all-time low in the state of Victoria. As millions of people's mental and emotional equilibrium is thrown off centre once again. As Miley Cyrus even proposes to release a new hit single, I just want to say to you, the end of the world is at hand. And one would be tempted to think, Jesus, right about now, would be a brilliant time for you to mount your white horse, hit the red button, and just rapture us all up because things are looking pretty bad. And yet, as adventurous as these events are, as unique, as significant as these events are, they are but birth pains of more epic events yet to come. Hate to break the bad news, but there are more epic events yet to come, and the Bible speaks into what some of those things are. How are we going to thrive as followers of Jesus in an increasingly hostile world as we move further and further into the end times? Well, the short answer is turn to God's Word. When everything's going well, turn to God's Word. When everything goes pear-shaped, turn to God's Word. God's Word is our foundation. God's Word has solutions for the problems that we face. God's Word has answers for the questions that we have in our hearts during this season. We're going to turn to God's Word, and specifically, we've got to turn to the book of Daniel for insight. Because the book of Daniel is broken into two sections. Chapters 1 to 6 is a narrative of how Daniel lived in a hostile, foreign environment. Chapters 7 to 12, the second half of Daniel are detailed apocalyptic visions of what is to come, not just in a few hundred years post Daniel's life, but what is to come at the end of the age. And through Daniel, God reveals ahead of time his sovereign intentions despite Satan's agenda for planet Earth. The central theme of the book of Daniel is that despite present suffering, God is sovereign over history and will bring every empire and every earthly kingdom to an end as his plan, purpose and will and kingdom is established as the highest kingdom over every other kingdom. And so Daniel shows us that earthly events are simply mirrors of a great cosmic conflict in the heavenly realms between angelic forces. And whilst the kingdom of God rules over all kingdoms and rules over all of these conflicts, we have a role to play as God's people as we look to King Jesus to bring deliverance and victory in our lives and through his kingdom on planet earth. Chapter 11 is a turning point in the book of Daniel 
things get a little bit juicy because right here in chapter 11, Daniel records in first person detail an apocalyptic vision of conflict that is to come. And this prophetic vision has both short-term relevance to Israel's future as well as end-time application for us. And it's so important that we understand the context so that we can focus in and zero in on the key things that we can learn and take away on how to thrive in the end times. You see, a few hundred years post-Daniel's vision, Alexander the Great conquered much of the known world. And upon his death, four of Alexander's generals divided his empire up into four kingdoms. There was one general by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who actually believed that he was a god. And so because of that belief, when he conquered Israel, he set up in the temple what has become known as the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation sounds pretty scary. Basically, it was an altar of sacrifice to a pagan god, Zeus. And this general required Jews to abandon their worship of God and to sacrifice, at times human sacrifice, to this pagan god, Zeus, as well as to himself, because he believed that he was a god. And he uses flattery and deception to entice God's people to forsake their covenant that God had established with them and to stop worshipping Yahweh as God and to start worshipping him and worshipping this pagan god Zeus uh, instead. In response to this abomination of desolation that took place in the nation of Israel and on the Temple Mount, and in that place where once sacrifices and burnt offerings were offered up to God, there was a remnant of God's people known as the Maccabeans. And they led a revolt against this general, and it was led by a father named Mattathias and his five sons. And this passage of Scripture in verse 32 actually gives us some insight into what characterized This Maccabean revolt, what were some of the character qualities, what were some of the distinctives of these people that led a revival against this general who had lost his mind? And the Bible says in verse 32 that they would be known as people who know who their God is. Secondly, they would be strong. And thirdly, they would do mighty exploits. And so as a result, of this Maccabean revolt, Antiochus's kingdom was crushed and Israel was revived. The borders were extended and this set up the backdrop and the context for King Herod the Great who came into power 32 years before Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah was born. All of this prophecy came into play just a few hundred years after Daniel had seen this vision But you need to understand that whilst this vision has literal historical context for Israel, it speaks of events in the end times. You see, in Matthew 24, 15, Jesus himself refers to the abomination of desolation at the end of the age. He said in that passage of Scripture, when you see the abomination of desolation 
spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. In other words, Jesus is saying there's coming a day when just as Antiochus exalted himself in 167 BC, so too the Antichrist will stand on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, proclaiming himself to be God and fulfill Daniel's prophecy of the abomination of desolation. He will seduce the nations with flattery and miraculous signs, deceiving them to bow down and worship him as God. Now that may seem like a whole lot to take in at a 9am service at Church Online on a Sunday morning. I've just given you a little bit of a Bible college lesson overview on uh, all things end times from Daniel 11. But the question remains, how on earth are we going to thrive in an increasingly hostile world? Well, I believe that as God was leading me to study this passage and to preach this passage for you today, I would suggest that we too should follow the example of the original Maccabeans. You see, one of the things that you and I need to know if we are going to survive and not just survive, but thrive in these end times, we must know God for who He is. You see, it's not enough to know about Jesus. You've got to know Jesus for yourself. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? I will declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, you've got to understand something about God's idea of knowing him. Jesus equates knowing God with doing what he says. Our love for God is evidenced by our obedience. Our faith in God is evidenced by our action. It's not enough just to move in gifts of power. You've got to know the giver of the gifts. It's not enough to live vicariously through your spouse's revelation of Jesus or through your pastor's revelation of Jesus or your parents' revelation of Jesus or your kids' revelation of Jesus when they're on fire and following Jesus, come back from youth ministry or church all fired up. It's not enough. You've got to have your own encounter, your own revelation, your own understanding and knowledge of who God is. Hosea says, my people suffer for a lack of knowledge. Sunday school stories about Jesus aren't going to sustain you through end time circumstances. We're living in a time where everything is shifting. There is a reset going on in the world. And if you don't know who God is, you'll be moved by every wind of circumstance and news report that comes your way. Your emotions will be like a roller coaster. And I don't blame you because I've been wrestling like you even over recent days. But when you've built your life on the foundation of who God is, when the wind of this world and the rain of circumstances of the end times comes and knocks on your door and beats against your house, your house, your life, your family, your economics will stand firm. Why? Because greater is He who is with you than those that are coming against you. If God be for you who dare be against you. And when you build your life on a knowledge
knowledge of who God is, in these end times, you will stand firm. The Bible says in Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, God is speaking. He says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the mighty man boast in his might, nor the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, righteousness and justice. You see, only those who know God for who He actually is will be strong enough to withstand deception of the end times. Knowing leads to being. The Bible says in John 8.32, Jesus is speaking, He says, You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know God, you're not just set free from sin, but you're set free to be the full expression of who God originally intended and created you to be. And I believe that this is extremely important in a world that is encouraging you to question everything about yourself, your identity, your gender. Everything is up for grabs and the world encourages this confusion and actual questioning of the very essence of who God made you to be. The current culture has falsely led us to believe that looking into one's mirror and deciding to be whatever we feel like on that particular day is a great sign of strength. That is bad advice. That is not going to help you be strong and courageous in these end times. The Bible teaches us that transformational strength comes from beholding the transformer, God himself. You become what you behold. We know this because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, listen to this, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, note this, into the same image. Into the same image. I'm going to say it again just for effect. Into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from one level of strength to another, from one level of glory to another. As we behold Him, we are being transformed into that same image. What is that image? Well, the Bible says in Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And it goes into all of these different aspects and definitions and characteristics of what that image of the invisible God is. We learn that uh, by Him, that is Jesus, all things were created. We learn that in Christ, all things hold together. We learn that Jesus is the fullness of God. The fullness of God was in Jesus. We read that Jesus is the head of the church. We read that Jesus is a reconciler and a peacemaker. We were lost and dead in our sin, but through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we've been restored into reconciliation with God, into right relationship with God. And so as we behold His image in prayer, in the Word, in worship, guess what? That which is in Him, the strength of who 
the image of God is now becomes strength in your spirit, strength in your mind. You and I, just after the Creator, we're a chip off the old block. We become creative. We become stable and steadfast in our faith. We become full of the Holy Spirit. We grow up into the full measure and stature of Jesus Christ. We become reconcilers and peacemakers on the earth. The more we behold His image, the sharper our discernment will be when error comes knocking on our door. Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, 24, that false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That word elect is speaking of you and I as believers, people who love Jesus, believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. So just as General Antiochus used flattery and deception to entice Israel to forsake the worship of Yahweh, to forsake the covenant that God had established with them, so too the spirit of Antichrist will seek to deceive even us, the elect, with false signs and wonders. That doesn't mean that you and I become suspicious of people who move in signs and wonders and miraculous power. The Holy Spirit is the giver of every supernatural ability and gift. The Bible tells us that we're to contend that these signs will follow those who believe. Signs and wonders are the birthright of the church of Jesus Christ. They are the birthright of every single believer. You can believe for supernatural breakthrough. You can believe for God to move in signs and wonders in your life. And we are not to be suspicious of each other. Those who profess Jesus as we move in signs and wonders. That's not what this passage is talking about. What it is saying is that we've got to check the source behind the fruit that's being produced. Is Jesus Christ glorified or is man glorified? You see, how did bank tellers back in the day used to discern between genuine and counterfeit dollar bills? Did they just look at all the different ways that you can forge a dollar bill and just, you know, try and remember all the different ways that you can forge a dollar bill? No, that would be laborious and a waste of time. What they did do is they studied the authentic. They studied the genuine and they knew it so well that the moment that a forged or counterfeit dollar bill passed under their eyes, they knew instantly what was authentic and genuine from what was counterfeit. The more time you invest in beholding God and His Word, the stronger and sharper your mind and spirit will become to discern between truth and error what is of God and what isn't of God. And 1 John 4, 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, John says, which you heard was coming, note this, and now is in the world already. You see, when you know God for who He actually is, not only will you be strong enough to withstand the deception of the spirit of Antichrist in the end times, but you will actually do mighty exploits in Jesus' name. 
The Maccabeans knew who their God was. They stood firm. They were strong and they did mighty exploits and a great revival broke out across the nation of Israel. Oh, I'm contending and believing today that in the midst of changing circumstances and all things that are going on in the world with global pandemics and all sorts of things happening, that we as a people of God will know who our God actually is, that we'll be strong enough to withstand deception in the end days, but also we will do mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 7 says, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Knowing and being must lead to doing. Let me say that again. Knowing and being must lead to doing. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, when I was a police officer many years ago, the first speeding ticket I handed out was to a driver traveling at 185 kilometers per hour. True story. I was in uh, driving school, full-fledged police officer, but uh, we were on a night drive and this car went past us like we were standing still. I won't tell you what speed we had to get to to catch him. But when we finally caught up to him on the highway, I didn't have any physical power to stop that car and to stop that driver from speeding. But what I did have was the authority of Her Majesty the Queen and the authority of the state behind me that when I put on those lights and bells and hopped out of the car in that uniform and held up my badge, otherwise known as a Freddy, and went up to that car and had a pleasant conversation, all of a sudden there in that moment, whilst I didn't have literal physical power, I had the authority to command that vehicle to stop. In these last days, you don't have physical power to control electricity, to control circumstances around you. But I'm telling you, you have access, if you're a follower of Jesus, to a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acts 4.12 tells us there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else except the name of Jesus. I heard an amazing story about how two teenage girls were kidnapped by a predator. And they were in the car and one girl was uh, screaming in panic and in fear. And you don't blame her as you can imagine. The other girl was a Christian, had a revelation of Jesus, started to speak in tongues at the top of her voice and decided that she'd start accessing that name that's above every other name. And at the top of her voice, she declared in Jesus' name, stop the car and let us out. And this driver, the, the story goes that this driver's face turned white and with fear. And within a few minutes, he stops the car, lets the two girls out of the car and they were rescued. Let me tell you something, the next time the devil comes knocking on the door of your heart, your mind, your TV channel, I've got, you just tell the devil, I've got a name and I'm not afraid to use it because there is a name that is above every other name. 
That name has authority. That name has power. And that name only carries authority in your life if you know the person behind the name. That name only carries authority if you believe in the person behind the name. In John 16, 23, Jesus said, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. In other words, uh, you've got to know the person behind the name. You've got to know who your God actually is. And only then will you be strong. And only then will you do mighty exploits. How did the prophet Daniel thrive in the hostility of Babylon? He prayed in the name of the Lord. You go back and read the book of Daniel and you'll read in Daniel 9, he contends in the spirit realm, he prays. See, prayer is your weapon in this season, but you've got to pray in the name of the Lord. And that prayer will only have power based upon the uh, knowledge and belief that you have in the person to whom you are praying. How did the Maccabeans sustain their revolt against paganism? They knew the person behind the name. How will we thrive in the end times we are living in? Those who know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits in Jesus' name. You might feel today like you're just hanging on by a thread. You're just surviving in this season. But God told me to tell you to know your God for who he actually is. Be strong and courageous and you will be able to withstand the deception of the end times and know that you're going to be able to do mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. I really believe that God is saying to us in this season, I'm moving you from restriction to revival. You need to prophesy that over your family today. You need to prophesy that over your company today. You need to prophesy that over Numa Church and the body of Christ and the state of Victoria. God is moving us from a place of restriction to revival. Numa Bangkok, I prophesy over you today that God is moving you from restriction to revival, that there's a move of God coming. Mark here, mark it in your diary on this day. There is a word of the Lord for every single one of us today. I'm moving you out of place of confinement into a place of expansion. You may feel like there's been a whole lot of pain in this season, but as we come and we seek God and we ask Him to enlarge our territory, to enlarge our borders, I'm telling you right now, as you know God, you'll be strong and you'll do mighty exploits. You and I are not destined to just sort of smolder out in the end times. Hang on until the Jesus rapture bus comes and takes us home. We are destined to, as the latter rain people of God, to be a pure and spotless bride, to be a more than conquering victorious church. We're not just going to survive the end times, but you and I are going to thrive as we know who our God is, we be strong and we do mighty exploits in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you to stand up wherever you are, shake off the lethargy of a cold Melbourne winter and actually join in faith with me as I pray for you today for this word to be applied to your life. Father, I just thank you today 
Oh God, just as Ezekiel prophesied to the four winds at the word of the Lord, and then the wind of the Spirit came, oh God, into that valley of dry bones and breathed life into those bones and into those dormant, uh, vacant uh, bodies. Father, I thank you today that the wind of the Spirit, the second wind of heaven is blowing in this room right now. The second wind of heaven is blowing in every heart right now, that you would give us our second wind, that Father, we would emerge out of this place of restriction into a place of revival, that we would emerge from a place of confinement into a place of expansion. God, we are asking right now that there would be a great moving of your spirit, a great stirring in our hearts, that we would be a people like the Maccabeans who know who our God is, that we are strong and that we will do mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. I'm praying, Father, for creative ideas. I'm praying, oh God, for a spirit of prophecy to come upon your people in this time, that we would not bunker down and we would not be timid, for you've not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power, love and a sound mind. I pray, oh God, that the anointing of heaven would come upon this Word and would awaken, activate a sleeping church, oh God, that Lord, this is not Captain Snooze, but Lord, it's Captain Jesus' time. And Father, I just declare right now, Holy Spirit, that You would fill us to overflowing, that the supernatural power of heaven would begin to move in homes and streets and neighbourhoods, that apartment blocks would be immersed in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that revival and renewal would break out across the city of Melbourne, that every restriction and virus would fall away. And Father, I thank You today that You go before us and You lead us in triumphant procession, that Father, we do not need to fear the end times, but we look to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Himself. You're coming back on a white horse, coming back to reclaim Your people, that in the twinkle of an eye, we will be caught up with You. And those of us who are still alive will not only experience that, but those who have long gone will be caught up in the air with You. I pray, O God, let faith, let the gift of faith be added, O God, into Your people today. Lord, let vision, just like Daniel had, of victory and triumph in the midst of suffering and persecution. Lord, as we've been singing today, that You reign above it all, that Your kingdom is sovereign over every empire and kingdom of man, and that we belong to You. And if You be for us, who dare be against us? Oh God, let this Word go far and wide across our church, across the body of Christ. Let many people come into a place of great confidence and courage because of the truth of Your Word today. Oh God, we're not just gonna survive, we're gonna thrive in the end times. And Lord, if You come immediately or You tarry in the long term, God, we will be faithful, we will be patient, we will stay the course, we will fight the good fight of faith, we will keep our focus upon the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Father, we honour You, we love You, and we thank You today for Your goodness and Your grace, O God, that is at work in our hearts and in our lives. And even as we pray right now in this moment. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. 
Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you're ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.